draft breakdown time. Jonathan Giovanni, Draft Express, joins us. He's one of the best out there. I think you guys all know that. I've probably retweeted at Draft Express 500 times. In the last year, this guy works incredibly hard on it. There's very few people that commit full-time to it. Jonathan is one of them. He's probably seen more of the European players than anyone out there and uh, also uh, assist teams often in European getting players placed in Europe and some other things on some of his other stuff. So Jonathan Giovanni is with us here on the Lockdown Jazz podcast. He's simply one of the best out there. So listen to what he says. Ignore what I argue with him about and listen to what he says. Let's start it off, Jonathan, right out of the chute with Enos Cantor, who the Jazz have met with, stayed quiet with afterwards. Have to be considering it three because of his size. You've watched more film of him than maybe anyone. What's your thoughts? You know, I was surprised, to be honest with you. Um, I was always a little bit skeptical about Cantor just because so much of the information that's coming out is coming out from people who haven't really seen him very much outside of the Nike Hoop Summit. So, um, you know, our job is to be skeptical, um, you know, because we're talking about the best league in the world here, the NBA, uh, and, and, and only the best players in the world can really impact guys in the NBA and if you're looking for a top five pick that's really what you're expecting so um, I I took a look today uh, at four games of his from his prep school career that's uh, from November to January of of 2010 so we're talking about 18 months ago it's pretty much the best you're going to do outside of the hoop summit but these are the only games that you're going to be able to watch of him in an actual team setting, which which means something. He's practicing every day. Um, and, you know, offensively, you see some of the things that, that really, really impress you. I mean, his hands are outstanding. His touch is terrific. I mean, just physically, he's a very impressive guy. He's got a great body. He's got size. He's got length. He's, he's, he's a solid athlete. I wouldn't say he's a great athlete, but he's definitely an NBA-caliber athlete. But what disappointed me the most, to be honest with you, was his effort level, um, especially on the defensive end. He was going up against mid-major caliber competition to be generous, and these guys were scoring on him left and right, and he really didn't seem to, to, to show that he cared. Uh, you know, some of this is obviously a product of the environment. Um, you know, I mean, he did not play at a high level of competition at all in uh, in high school. He did bounce around. It just wasn't his first choice. It's probably this third or fourth team. He, he went one place. He, he couldn't play. He got to go somewhere else, and then he went somewhere else. And so this is his third choice here. And, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I was expecting a lot more. I thought that he would dominate at this level um, against, you know, this type of competition. And uh, I just didn't see it. And, um, you know, a lot of this is correctable, but, you know, effort level, intensity, feel for the game, that type of stuff, I mean, that you don't see that improving dramatically. You know, a guy either he wants to play defense or he doesn't. He plays hard in every position or he doesn't. In an 82-game NBA season, you know, you, he, he, he's not going to be able to get by with his back-to-basket game right like that. So, I was uh, I have some concerns, but um, this obviously isn't the end all be all. It's just one factor in the evaluation, and teams are going to do their own research. They're going to watch him. Unfortunately, they're not able to see him in a competitive environment. So this is this is something that they're going to have to to use in, in the evaluation process, and it's probably not ideal. 
Jonathan Giovanni is with us here on Locked on Jazz. He is with Draft Express. Does fabulous work there. Let's start with the European players, Jonathan, because I think you're very good at this. I've watched a single film on Vesely, uh, and apologize if I mispronounce it, Valanciunas and Monajun, and Donatus, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Okay. The prevailing feeling is Jonas is one, Vesely is two, and Montejunas is three. I would reverse that. I thought Montejunas had the most NBA skill I saw. Ability to pass, use both right and left, play a little back to the basket. Not sure he plays hard enough, not sure he defends, but I thought he had the best NBA skill. I thought Vesely was the best athlete, and I, I understand that Jonas plays Incredibly hard, but I didn't see NBA skill there. Give me your thoughts on those three guys. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything that that you said. I think that Mati Yunus in a in another world you know, should have been the number one pick in this draft. I think he has robbed himself of that with his effort level, with you know his passion for basketball, with his intensity. I think that. Those are things that scare the heck out of people because you look at those guys in the NBA, they don't last very long. You know, if you don't enjoy, if you don't wake up every day and, and want to dominate and want to be a great player, there's no way you can reach the highest level, you know. But in terms of talent, his body, his athleticism, his skill, he can shoot threes, he can put the ball on the floor, he can score inside the paint, he's athletic. He's, I mean, he's everything you dream about. In, in an NBA prospect, so don't don't disagree with anything you said. Yeah, Vesely, incredible athlete, needs a lot of work on his skill level. Not a shooter, not a ball handler, can't post up. You know, not a good free throw shooter. Forty five, forty seven percent free throw shooter. Uh, and Valanciunas is clearly the rawest of the of the three of them. Um, also, the youngest. Um, you know, by, by a decent amount. Uh, you know, physically has a long ways to go, but, you know, you have to love his frame. He, and when, you know, three to four years from now, he's going to, he's going to be a monster. I mean, he's going to look, he's like completely different than he does now. Uh, you know, his wingspan, seven, six. Um, I, 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 I mean, I, for me, like, I'm an effort guy. You know, I mean, I'm a lot more old school than, uh, than most in that regard. I think if, if a guy wants to dominate, if he wants to be great, if he wants to rip your heart on every possession, you know, I want that guy on my team, but not everybody is the same way. A lot of people are going to fall in love with Monty Yunus when they see his skill level. Coaches who, who don't know his background, uh, you know, he's going to come into a workout, he's going to dribble through a couple of cones, and they're just going to go crazy because you don't see things like this in America. You don't see a seven-footer who is this skilled. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys turn out, and obviously there's a lot of projection that goes into this too. If Valanciunas stops developing, then he's not going to be in the NBA in three years. I mean, we're obviously we're making some projections here. So I, I know we compare him a little bit to, to um, Joachim Noah. I went to the University of Florida, and I watched Joachim Noah quite a bit as a freshman. The guy stunk. You could never say in a million years that he had any chance of playing professional basketball off his freshman year, but he made incredible improvement year by year, physically and skill-wise, and that's just because he wants to be a great player, and I think that's where that's where the comparisons with Valanciunas come in, but he's going to have to want it. Nobody's going to hand it to him. All right, so here, Jonathan, we're touching on something here. I'm going to call it the Brandon Roy factor. Okay, on that draft, you can go back and look at that draft, and 
Brand had some knee issues. That's why he slid a little bit. But he he was the guy in that draft who had the it. He had the special something inside of him that was always going to be able to adjust his game without some of the skills, without some of the great shooting. He wasn't a great shooter till senior year in college, but he was a, he's a special dude. Now it's limited now because of the knees, but if we go back to him, he was a special dude. Do you have, like, I'm watching Alec Burks on tape the other day, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if he has any Brandon Roy in him, he's an all-star. But I can't tell. He's pretty cool for school. It's hard to necessarily vibe on where he's going to be. Who are the guys in the top 15, 20 of this draft that you think that most likely, I'm not saying they have to have it, but one, two, three guys, they're most likely to have that inner desire it factor that just makes them exceed all expectations? Well, I think the top two guys in the draft, you have to start there. I think Irving definitely has it. There's no question. He has the skill and the athleticism and the size and the it factor. Uh, you know, he. a lot of people do bring up Brandon Roy when they watch him play just because he's got that smoothness to him. And um, I think he's definitely a worker. Uh, you know, he could have sat out the NCAA tournament. Nobody forced him to play. Any, nobody would have said anything if he said, you know, I'm the number one pick. I'm fine. You know, I don't need to play in this game. But he wanted to win. He wanted to win an NCAA championship. And that, that's just something about the guy. And I think Derek Williams, you can say the same thing about it. This is a guy that two years ago, nobody knew his name. They could say, well, he's a baseball player, he's a soccer player, Derek Williams. Never heard of him. You know, you probably did a Google search on him. You'd have to write Derek Williams, power forward, Arizona, to even find him on the first page of Google. So, you go from that to where he is now, that is 100% work ethic. And um, and I think some of the same things can be said about Alec Burks. I see that same kind of too cool for school thing going on also. And some people have commented on that, watching him work out. It's a good observation. But I don't believe that you go from being the 40th best shooting guard in your high school class to the number one shooting guard prospect in the NBA draft, you know, in in a matter of two years, if you don't have some type of work ethic to you. So it can't just be because he grew and because he's really athletic and he's, and he's really skilled. So, But there's some question marks there. I, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think you have to look at Biombo. I mean, this is a guy that is the the hardest worker, you know, you'll, you'll find in this job in terms of the work ethic, in terms of just the, the intensity level that he brings. He has no skill level offensively whatsoever, but he drew 10 free throws, you know, for 40 minutes. I mean, how do you do that? It's just because you're an animal. You're just going after and you're, you're playing hard with everybody. And, uh, you know, how do you how do you score at the rate he does? If you have no offensive skill level, and that's, I mean, that, and that's what that's what you're looking at. I think the NBA game, it's so much about, you know, uh, just athleticism and, and length and, uh, and and intensity level, and just putting yourself in the position to make a play. And I think that's where you know where, where people like Biombo, they look at you know Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard can't dribble with his left hand, right? Dwight Howard can't make a free throw, but he's the most impactful player in the league because of his athleticism and just because of how hard he plays. Now, Bjorn was obviously not seven feet tall like, like Dwight Howard, but I think that, you know, lengthwise they're similar in that regard, and I think that Bjorn both physically and athletically, uh, you know, he, he's going to be in, in that top, you know, 10, 10, 5 percentile in the NBA amongst big men. So, um, you think there's any chance I mean, he's, I think, you think there's any chance sorry? he slips, you think there's any chance he slips to 12? 
I mean, no, I don't think there's okay. any way it gets past Milwaukee. No. Uh, you, I'd be shocked. You do a nice job, by the way. One of the features that Jonathan does on UndraftExpress.com is kind of, and something we've done a lot on, on Locked On Sports and Locked On Jazz is where's this? Where's the basement for each pick? You know, kind of figure out where's the last spot they could possibly go to. It's, it's a nice way to to look at the draft and and see how it's going to play out. All right, I have to bring this up just because my listeners would think I'm a total candy if I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't love Derek Williams. Um, I did a draft breakdown on him. I love him. I did a video breakdown. I don't know if you've seen any of the things I've done, Jonathan. I know you're doing some of them on Canter. Uh, I'll make a couple, sure. Yeah, I've seen you. You've you, you done some great stuff there. Some really, really interesting stuff you're doing there. But, thanks. I appreciate it. I uh, on Williams. I love him if he catches at 13, 14 feet, maybe right off the pinch post. He's got that swing through one dribble move to the rack, and I think it's incredible. And it, it, NBA translates. I'm not sure how he gets that position in the NBA. And then there's two things I just don't like about him. He's two feet to jump at all times. And, frankly, I don't think he plays that hard. He might work hard to get that much better, but, boy, he took a lot of possessions off in the two NCAA games that I saw, and that concerns me greatly. Yeah, I mean, I think that the NBA game is is, is all about you know, isoing your foreman at the elbow and, and, and clearing out, you know I mean? And I think that you're going to be able to do that over and over again. And if uh, if you're going to want to double him, he's going to make the extra pass. I mean, I think that you're seeing with uh, with the way that, you know, that with the way Dallas uses Dirk, for example, he's obviously not Dirk, but when you have a foreman that can shoot it, and, you know, he broke the record for three-point shooting, not for a big man or for any player, and then you have a, he, a guy who can create his own shot because he's an unbelievable ball handler. He's got a great first step. And then he can also play in the paint, and he's an excellent finisher around the rim. I think that's a pretty lethal combination offensively. And, you know, would he be the number two pick in a normal draft? I don't know. You know, he started the year in, in the late first round, you know, on, on most boards, and he worked himself up to there. So um, it's a good question where he would go in a normal draft, but he's a pretty special talent. I mean, I think he's going to be able to score in the NBA. I think that uh, I do think his effort level is solid. Uh, I think that, you know, Sean Miller will probably tell you that he would like him to play a little bit harder sometimes, but. Uh, you know, and he he, he 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 wouldn't get the production he does if if he wasn't, in my opinion, if he wasn't playing hard. You know, I mean, everything didn't. He's not a guy that everything came from. He didn't start uh, as a freshman. He he earned it. You know, so he uh, everybody's got a different opinion, but um, I think Derek Williams is, is a pretty safe pick. I think he's a guy that's going to be able to score in the NBA at, at the fourth spot. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I criticize him and then think I've. Figure he's going to put up about seventeen and seven, which makes him David West, and then that's pretty solid. So, uh, let's go to two players before I've got to let you go because I got to coach a t-ball game. Uh, I could obviously you and I could hold this conversation for hours on end. Uh, let's start to the two guys most Jazz fans probably want to hear about. Um, one being Brandon Knight, who you have projected at three. Uh, what is your evaluation of him? I, I like him an awful lot uh, because I think his problems, he doesn't have to change his game to fix his issues. He just has to develop. But I, I've talked to a lot of scouts who are really questioning whether they think that can happen. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the younger guys in, the, in this draft, and uh He's more of a combo guard, to be honest with you. Uh, he, he, he's going to have to to improve his uh, his ability to see the floor and and and, and, and control the tempo and you know managing turnovers and stuff like that. But 
he has uh, the guy can score, and that's um, and that's proven. He can shoot the ball. He can he can play pick and roll. He can do a lot of different things, and he's a great kid. On top of that, he's a very very intelligent guy off the court, and I think that he's going to be able to improve in many ways. But if people think that there's not going to be a transition period for this guy, if he's going to be able to you know hit the floor running and 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 lead the team to the playoffs on his own, I think that they're mistaken because um, he, he's not at a Kyrie Irving level quite yet. But um, in this draft, you know, you look at three, he could go eight. I mean, in a normal year, that guy would probably go 14. So uh, that's that's where that's coming from. I think he had managed the expectation a little bit, but I do think when it's all said and done, he's going to be just fine. Jimmer Fredette, Jonathan, give us what your breakdown on his transition to the NBA is. For him, it's all about fit, honestly. If he goes to a team where he has the green light and, and they let him play the type of basketball that, that, that he got used to playing here over the last two years and the expectations aren't great from him defensively in terms of, you know, if he gets beat, gets into the bench, then I think he's going to be fine. I think that he's going to be a very good NBA player and I think he's going to put up big-time numbers, but the question is, you know, can you live with, with, with his shortcomings on a defensive end? And, um, and and people who think that there aren't shortcomings, and Jim Rino says he's a great defender and all that, I think I think they're out of their mind. I and mean, I don't think, know how you watch this guy play over the course of the year. You watch his isolation play defensively on synergy. There's no way anybody in their right mind can say that the guy is, is anything more than, than an awful defender. So, um, but, but, but what he can do offensively and in terms of his feel for the game, his craftiness, I think he's he's more athletic than people give him credit for. Uh, I think that he can he can absolutely play, you know, uh, a good role in the NBA, but it's got to be for the right coach. Does he ever start in the NBA? On the right team, yes. I mean, I don't think he's – my comparison to him is Mike Dibby. Mike Dibby was a very good player um, in Sacramento with, with good players around him. Um, I think that that's, that's his, his ceiling, and I think that's a pretty good ceiling. All right. Uh, final question for Jonathan Giovanni of Draft Express. On average, in the first round, the last 11 years, there have been two All-Stars taken – Per draft, I think maybe maybe a few more. Actually, I think it's I think it's three all stars. If you yeah, three all stars per draft. My guess this one might have one right in the first twenty picks. By the time we're done, one or two. Who is your best guess on who those two all stars are in this draft? Irving and Biombo. Interesting. That's a great way to end this thing. Jonathan, thank you very much for the time. Uh, I wish I could talk to you for another 25 minutes or so. I don't know if you're going to be in Newark, New Jersey, but if you are, I will look forward to seeing you there. And thanks so much for the time here on the uh, Lockdown Jazz podcast. Definitely, David. Thank you. Thanks, buddy.